How can you find a good church? What is a woman's highest calling? Can a Christian mom work outside the home? And what are some red flags of the Hebrew Roots movement? The answers to these questions and others when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, a daily Bible study in the Word of Christ that we may grow in our knowledge and understanding of God and what it means to be godly. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Psalm 68. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered and let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them exalt before God, and let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Lift up a song for Him who rides through the deserts, whose name is Yah, and exalt before Him. Amen. Welcome to the Friday edition of When We Understand the Text that's not being uploaded on Friday. Right. (laughs) Sorry. When we typically take questions from the listeners and respond to them on the Friday episode, you can send those questions to whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. We made a gross miscalculation while we were on the road. (laughs) Yeah. And so thought we were going to have an opportunity to record the Friday edition yep. and get it on. But yeah, it just didn't work out that it way. It didn't. And that's okay. Yeah. I mean, provided you guys forgive us. <laughs> <laughs> so this is probably getting uploaded on Sunday. I'm not sure when I'm going to finally get this on. Uh-huh. But we're home. We are. We're safe and sound. Praise the Lord. Because <laughs> we did lose a tire on this trip. We did. It's been over 20 years, I think, since I've had a flat. Yeah. I used to get them all the time. I don't even yeah, know me why. Too. I just... I guess we bought cheap tires. It must have been. <laughs> Figured out that wasn't worth it. College kids on a college budget. Yeah. Just bought cheap tires. Yep. I remember one time buying used tires because that was that was the best I could do. Yeah. And they didn't last very long. No, nope, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this time uh, we, we ended up losing a tire between Salina and Hayes, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Yep. And couldn't get the lug nuts off the tire. No. That was fun. But yeah. <laughs> We, uh, we got it figured out. But after a few hours, it all worked out yeah, well. Still got it done. And we were safe and sound. Oh, my goodness. That could have been so bad. It could have been really bad. It happened on the interstate. Yeah. And it just happened to be like right at an exit. And Gabe was driving. Because if it was me driving, I would have just listened to the sound until I figured out what it was. And I'm <laughs> not the, joking. <laughs> until the tire got that. way worse. Yes. Yeah. And popped. And, you know, you're <laughs> off the road. And everybody's screaming and jostled. And, you know, it's fun. <laughs> Good fun. Well, you know, yeah. it was one of the things where the tire just kind of ripped on the inside. Yeah. It was the driver's side rear. All mm-hmm. the rest of the tires, perfect condition. I even checked the tires before we left. They all look fine. Yeah. So I don't know if I hit something or what or what happened. But anyway, uh, totally shredded the inside of that, of that rear driver's side tire. And so it's making a, a pretty good rattling sound. Yeah. I'm going, what is that? So I pulled off on the exit, took yeah, a look I, at it. The kids were like, what is that? I'm yeah. Like, I don't know. What is that? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm still like drive a little more, you know. <laughs> I mean, the drive on. the drive was still fairly smooth. It was. It was just making some noise. That's why I was like, eh, it can't be any big deal, you know. I mean, like let's just listen a little bit longer and figure out if it's inside or outside, <laughs> or front, back, middle. <laughs> but then after, let's Thankfully, see. You were driving. Yeah, so right. <laughs> you saved us. Oh, the Lord knew. The rest of the trip, whenever we hit anything in the road, like a rumble strip Uh or something, (laughs) you know, completely normal. (laughs) Right. Something that's normally in the road. Yes. Or speed bump. A speed bump. Yeah, right. We were going through a parking lot. (laughs) We were in a parking lot and I hit a speed bump and our eight-year-old just wigged out. What What was that? that? What was that? She had so cute. She had PTSD after that. I think so. so. Yep. <laughs> but it was fun. Yeah, the Lord took good care of us, and I mean, uh, it was we a made sunny it safely. Day, and we were off the road. We were off the interstate. It was. I mean, things could not have been better placed. The Lord really looked out. Yes. For us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. <laughs> and for those of you who are praying, because I oh, believe I yeah. said that on the podcast. Hey, pray for us while we're. Yes. Thank you so much for your prayers. Yeah. Well, we went out to Colorado, enjoyed some time out there in the mountains. Mm -hmm. It's been a while since I've been to that part of Colorado. Mm -hmm. Me too. I did not realize how close we were to Horn Creek. Yeah. And I used to go out to Horn Creek about once a year and preach. Oh, really? We do like a week-long thing. Yeah. Yeah. It was about Hmm. that often. And I had one year, it was twice. I did did it twice in one year. Uh, So we went by there uh, because I hadn't been there in so long. Mm -hmm. It looks different. There yeah. were things I couldn't recognize. I couldn't figure out where everything was. 2007 was the last time I was there. Oh, wow. So, it, yeah. That was a long time ago. It had been a little bit. And they were still building stuff. And well, moving yeah, around I mean, dirt were, and yeah. stuff like that, too. So. They were doing that even when I was there. So it was just continually <laughs> expanding. Uh, but that's not where we were. We just happened to be close to there. So I went by and, and saw the place. Want to give a shout out to Pastor Ted Mathis. Oh, amen. Thank you Thank for you so much. Yeah, your kindness and your generosity. It was awesome. We were able to spend some time out there in the mountains as a family. First time the kids had ever seen the Rockies. Right. I wigged out one of the kids by telling them, watch out for Sasquatches. Oh, boy. <laughs> and yeah. and uh, one of the one, one of my daughters saying, is, is Bigfoot real? Is he real? I yep. said, well, my friend Fred thinks so. <laughs> and then they were convinced. <laughs> my friend Fred thinks Bigfoot's real. So, yeah, now all will of a sudden. Will they come eat us? Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. there's so many questions. <laughs> I said, trust me, you will smell it before you see it. <laughs> I missed that one. <laughs> <laughs> so getting to some questions here, so we could gab about our adventures for a while. Oh, yes. This is from Evan, Dear Pastor Gabe. In the episode where you were giving a plug for Squirrely Joe's Coffee, it was cracking me up when you kept saying that you couldn't remember the owner's name. Wouldn't the owner of Squirrely Joe's Coffee be dot, 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 Joe? (laughs) I wondered that, too. (laughs) You got me there, Evan. I I actually don't remember that episode that well. I was probably trying to remember his last name. Yeah, And every every time I hear Joe and I don't know the last name, every time, without exception, I think Joe DiMaggio. The baseball player. Oh, okay. Becky gave me a look. I was like, who? It's like, who? Joe DiMaggio. I do not remember names very well. I'm getting better. I'm trying. But yeah, no. Used to be married to Marilyn Monroe. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I know that name. There you go. All right. Now she's connecting. <laughs> yeah. That. yeah. 
But so, I didn't know she was married. So I thought for and sure. I didn't know she was married. Anyway. I thought for sure I was going to say Joe DiMaggio. Thank you, Joe DiMaggio, for your great coffee. <laughs> Hence why I just said I didn't. Anyway. I, yeah. Like I said, I don't really remember that episode, but that might have been what was going on in my head. Probably. We did get our Squirrely Joe's coffee delivery. Yeah. It was like the next day, too. Yeah. It was awesome. Thank you, Squirrely. What's your name for <laughs> for such great Sorry. coffee? <laughs> we love your coffee. <laughs> or at least I do. He loves the smell. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll drink it. This next one is from Joaquin. He says, hello, what? I just moved to Dallas. Ooh. And I'm searching for a good church. What are some things to look for when looking for a new church? We're neighbors. Thank you for everything you do. God bless. Well, the first thing you want to be looking for is what the church believes. Yes. That's the first very first and foremost. Yes. Very first thing you want to be looking for. Yes. I actually did a video on this. Yeah. So I have a what video, a 90 second video. Nice. Explaining what to look for when you are trying to find a new church. And then hang on for the end of this. This is just 90 seconds here. And then I've got a couple of recommendations for you. I was going to say, you you squished all of that into 90 seconds? Well, just to give you a, a good start. Oh, okay. Well, sure. <laughs> it's not exhaustive. There are sure. Certainly Fair other enough. things you can add to it. but Fair enough. Yeah, we'll, we'll give you a, a start with this 90 seconds right here. Jesus founded the church. So yes, Christian, you have to attend church. As Spurgeon has said, don't go where there is fine music, grand talk, and beautiful architecture. Go where the gospel is preached and go often. Here are five tips for finding a good church. First of all, pray. If you have a family, pray with your spouse and your children that the Lord would lead you to a good church. Secondly, seek the counsel of a pastor, elder, or church teacher. Perhaps you know someone who is sound in their understanding of the Bible who can help you find a sound church. Third, as you start visiting churches know your priorities. Does this church clearly teach and affirm the gospel? Is the teaching faithful to the scriptures? Have they defined a clear statement of beliefs? Do they properly administer the Lord's Supper and baptism? Are there requirements for membership and do you agree with them? Fourth, consider these five qualifying questions. Would the care of your soul be a priority for this church's leadership? Will you experience meaningful fellowship and accountability? Is this a place where you can serve God's people with your gifts for their benefit? Would you want a spouse or your children brought up under this teaching? And does this church have a heart to reach the lost, preaching the gospel of grace and calling for repentance from sin? Fifth, be close to your church, both geographically and in your heart. Geography is not crucial, but still important. If you're too far away, you won't be regularly involved. But once you've found your church, stay there. Be committed in sickness and in health. The church is not your high school girlfriend. She is the bride of Christ when we understand the text. There you go. Was that an adequate 90 seconds? Yeah. Did I cover that? Okay. So a uh, couple of recommendations for you there, Joaquin. Since you are in the Dallas area, check out Heritage Grace Community Church in Frisco. Mm-hmm. Now that's north into Dallas. Okay. I don't know. Right. Yeah, exactly where in Dallas you are. Yeah. It's a big city. It is a big city. <laughs> we just drove through there. <laughs> we did. Literally from one side of it to the other side. Yep. Uh, and the other one to look for is Trinity Bible Church. Yeah. Which is almost like right in the center of Dallas. Mm -hmm. That is Stephen Lawson's church. Nice. So either one of those two, you might look them up mm -hmm. or go check them out, find out what their service times are. I didn't write any of that down. Yeah. But there's two recommendations. 
And uh, yeah, look for a place that's nearby that you know that you will frequent. Yes. So that you can be involved, involved. there. Yeah, plugged in, as Absolutely. they call it. Um, there's also Michelle Leslie's website that gives good recommendations. Yep. For churches. And she links to other sites yes. like the Founders Ministry website, which yeah. they've got a church search. Church search. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they, she does. She links to a bunch of different um, websites that already has already done the work for her. And then um, she says that her lit, her um, readers, I guess, listeners and readers have chimed in and have given their list. Recommendations well. and right. stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of recommending churches, mm-hmm. I gave a shout out to Ted Mathis a moment ago. Yeah. Hooking us up with a, a place to vacation in Colorado, but didn't mention his church. That he's a pastor. That's right. Ted Mathis. He, he's a pastor in Pueblo, Colorado. Yeah. And his church is Pueblo West Baptist Church. So if anybody listening is in the Pueblo area and still looking for a good church, yeah, might be the one that you want to check out. This next question comes from Donna in Missouri. Dear Pastor Gabe, could you watch this and tell me if you disagree with it? I think I've heard you talk before about a woman's highest calling, but I couldn't remember which podcast it was. If you talk about it this time, I'll be sure to save it. Tell your lovely wife I said hello. Aw, hello. <laughs> so this is a video that has been circulating from Allie Beth Stuckey. Okay. She has the Relatable podcast. I think we've mentioned it a few times on, mm-hmm. on this broadcast before. I, I believe this video clip comes from TikTok, but where I found it was on the link that Donna gave me, I think, was from Twitter. Okay. So I've recorded the audio. Let me play it for you here. And uh, your input in particular, babe, you tell me what you think of this. Okay. Highest calling for a woman is not motherhood. That is a very high calling. It's a sacred calling, I think. I mean, we see that biblically. We see how motherhood is talked about, how it's honored, and how multiplying and bearing children is seen continually, consistently throughout Scripture as a blessing, but we do not see that this is the highest calling for a woman. The highest calling for a woman is also the highest calling for a man, and that is to glorify God. And that starts right now. That doesn't start when you get married. That doesn't start when you have kids. You don't start getting to be obedient. You don't get to start being a member of the household of God, a useful tool or a useful part of the body of Christ or a vessel for a glorification and the gospel when you get married or when you have children, that starts right now. So whether you are single, whether you're dating, whether you're engaged, whether you're married, whether you have children or not, your life starts right now. I actually think it is a trick of the devil to overemphasize marriage and and childbearing so much that you think that you can't be the fullest expression of a Christian right now. Now is your opportunity to live that abundant life that Christ has secured for you to the fullest. All right. So what do you think? I agree. (laughs) I know. I didn't really find anything there to disagree with. No, because, I mean, you think about if that is our highest calling to be a mother, then all women who are saved should be able to have children to bring about the highest calling. Yes. And in this fallen world, that's just not a thing. Yeah. So you're talking uh, single, childless women are not able to fulfill a woman's highest calling? 
What? I'm asking that in general. Is a is a single childless woman mm-hmm. able to fulfill a woman's highest calling? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, the question was worded. Yeah, sorry, right. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how to answer this. <laughs> I think I, yeah, I think I worded it a little bit better the yeah, second time. Yeah, you did. Right. I was, I was being rhetorical the first time. Yes, and that confused me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, a, a single childless woman can fulfill a woman's highest calling. Yes, this is sure. This is at the beginning of every catechism. What is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify, glorify God, God and, and enjoy him forever. Yes. And that's right out of Ecclesiastes 12. Fear God and keep his commandments because this is the end of the matter for all mankind. Mm-hmm. That's not just for men, but even for women. Women are to fear God and keep his commandments. Yes. Now, for a for a wife, she is obedient to the Lord by being submissive to her husband. Yes. For a husband, he's being obedient to the Lord by loving his wife as Christ loves the church. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm quoting from Ephesians 5, Colossians 3. Find those in First uh, Peter 3, another, another one. Those are chapters where you find those instructions. Wife, submit to your husband. Husband, love your wife. Yes. As Christ loves the church. But that's specifically a wife and a husband. Mm-hmm. A woman is able to fulfill a woman's highest calling before she becomes a wife. Yes, very true. And before a, a man is able to fulfill the highest calling for a man before he becomes a husband. Yes. Now, if motherhood is a woman's highest calling, then being a mother is more important than being a wife. Not true, according to the Bible. Right. But that's what you would have to be arguing. And that's what Allie's responding to. Right. Motherhood is not the highest calling for a woman. Right. If it was, then being a, a mother is more important than being a wife. And a woman can be a mother without being a wife. And I mean, that means your children trump God because the highest calling is your children. That would be the so argument. So you're like worshiping your children? Yeah. Then? I don't I don't know. Like that. that's... And it is more. It gets too muddy. It is more important (laughs) for the health of your family that you love your spouse more than your children. Oh, very true. Yes. You are one flesh with your spouse. You are not one flesh with your children. Right. Not even when they're in the womb. They're trust me. (laughs) (laughs) There is definitely another entity in your body. Right. (laughs) It's not you. Another person there. Uh, the, yeah, that's not me. This is not me acting like this. Not in here. me. <laughs> There's another body in here. I would have control over this and they would listen to me right away. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to make the argument that motherhood is the highest calling for a woman, then you would, you would also simultaneously mm-hmm. be saying that fatherhood is the highest calling for a man. Yeah. But the instruction for husbands is to love his, is to love his wife as Christ loves the church, and the instruction for wives is to submit to their husband as the church submits to Christ, mm-hmm. because this is the picture of the eternal fellowship that we have with God. Yes. Uh, one of the things that Ali said there that might turn some people off, especially in some of the reform circles that we run in, mm-hmm. is where she made a made the comment that I'm not going to say it right. So bear with me. Give me some grace. (laughs) But she said something to the effect of it's a trick of the devil Mm. to convince women that motherhood is the highest calling because then they don't feel like they're actually fulfilling God's calling for their lives until they become a mother. Right. I think another way. It just takes your focus off of God. Right. Yeah. 
and puts it on motherhood. It does. And and the devil is constantly twisting words throughout the Bible. Yes. About and twisting scripture. So, I mean, why wouldn't that be a twist of scripture to us nowadays, like right now? It's also extremely discouraging for those it women is. for those women who have longed to be wives yes. or to be mothers, have gotten married and still weren't able to have children. Yeah. Or haven't gotten married at all. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Oh, okay. So, uh, first of oh, all, yeah, yeah. They, they've you're, longed you're to be wives. All bases yeah, right. In that. Okay. But then they did get married and still weren't able to have children. Mm hmm. And it, it, it can be a trick of Satan to make them feel just extremely discouraged because they don't feel like I'm fulfilling the, the highest calling for myself. I can't be a mother. So therefore, right. I'm not fulfilling God's highest calling for me. Right. That's heartbreaking. And then it can make you be angry at God, mm-hmm. can make you doubt the Lord. Why are you saying that this is my highest calling, but you're not giving me children? Right. Now, Allie is sure to say there that it is indeed a very high calling. Yes. And I think, oh yeah, for sure. And I think that it, it has been uh, the importance of it has been greatly diminished, even among many Christian ministries. Because mm-hmm. you go to, <laughs> I mean, you go to some of these Bible conferences, and they'll have like the women's breakout session. This happened at the SBC. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, but they had like a women's breakout. Okay. And they're talking about uh, you know being a godly woman, and it was like being a wife and a mother never even came up. What? <laughs> like, like, what does it mean to be a godly woman? And they didn't even talk about being a submissive wife or being a godly mother. Okay. Didn't even put it in that context. So, yeah, there are, are plenty of ministries that are diminishing the importance of fatherhood and motherhood. Mm-hmm. We're seeing that happen a lot. So it is definitely a very high calling to be a father, to be a mother. Sure. But it is not a man's highest calling, woman's highest calling, respectively. Right. To be a father, to be a mother. Your highest calling is to worship God. Amen. That is your highest calling. Yes. Maybe the Lord will bless you with a spouse, with children, with a family. Mm -hmm. And if you are given that role, and if you are a man or a woman in that context, then there are responsibilities that you are obligated to fulfill to the glory of God. Yes. But it's not like you couldn't glorify God until you stepped into those positions. Right. I don't know. I think that there was such a high push for motherhood, and then now the pendulum's swinging the other direction. (laughs) And now they're trying to swing it back, and I don't know. Everybody's missing the the Lord in there. (laughs) Like, just just remember the Lord, and that's the most important Glorify Christ. I mean, you really, how in the world do you get through 1 Corinthians 7 by saying that, a man's highest calling is to be a father or a woman's highest calling to be is to be a mother. Where Paul is saying, I wish that you would be as I am and mm-hmm. remain single. Yeah. So it cannot be that fatherhood or motherhood is the highest calling for a man or woman, respectively. Right. Otherwise, I would con- contradict the Bible. Yeah. So I agree. Good. Good. Yeah. There you There's go. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Yes. It's. I mean, it is a hard pill to swallow, though, whenever you're – because – you know, as parents, we work very, very hard and to to raise the children. <laughs> and, no, it's easy. And so what are you talking about when when you tell somebody that it's I don't know, like when when you're giving them a, a reality check, if you will, would, would that be the right term? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where you're going. Uh, just just that it's it's um, humbling. 
to understand that even as a mother, your highest calling is to God. To glorify God, right. right. Yeah, right. Yeah, because your whole world right now is pretty much kids. Yep. <laughs> you see the children more often than you see me. Yep. <laughs> and I'm about out of words for my daily word. Yeah. You know, like the, the words that I speak and the words that I can listen to. Yes. I'm done at the end of the day when I see you. <laughs> I'm like, I can't. <laughs> you know, something else, th- this is going to be an entirely different subject, and we can get off on a whole other rabbit trail on this. Sure. But there's also, I believe, a really, really high emphasis, almost too high an emphasis, on being a stay-at-home mom mm. in the sense that you're not supposed to work at all. Right. And I think that a woman can have a job. Like, like I've seen some people go after women like Ali Beth mm-hmm. and Megan Basham mm-hmm. because of what they do. And, you know, in the journalistic sense, Ali Beth has her podcast. Mm-hmm. Megan works for The Daily Wire. But they do all of that from home. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they're not actually rejecting their responsibilities as wives, as mothers. Mm-hmm. They're still doing that yeah. and having jobs. Yeah. And actually making fools out of men doing stupid stuff in the culture right now with some of the st- yep. <laughs> with some of the stuff that they're posting on their <laughs> on their podcasts and in their articles and things like that. I appreciate what it is that they do, and from what I can tell from my vantage point, they're still submissive wives mm-hmm. and faithful to God and honoring Him in all things. Yeah, the Proverbs thirty one woman is a working woman. She is. And not just in the home, but out of it. She is. So if it... it, And she does the hard stuff of buying and selling land and... Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Going to market and trading and all that other kind of thing. Now, of course, a mother's first responsibility is going to be to her home, Mm -hmm. working in the home, making sure the children are being cared for, educated, whatever else. That's really a shared responsibility between mom and dad. Of course. But the but the responsibility is first going to be at home. But being a stay-at-home mom does not mean she's only working at home. Right. And she can't be doing jobs outside the home. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to enter into this realm of where it is kind of becoming a little bit legalistic. Yes. She's only supposed to have her place in the home and she's not supposed to be out there doing anywhere else. Yeah. Show me where that's in scripture. Mm-hmm. Because that's not... I can show you from scripture where... The woman's actually doing, and and a mom specifically. Yes. Mom is doing plenty of work outside the home. Mm Mm-hmm. Because her children rise up and call her blessed. Exactly. And her children still rise up and call her blessed. Yes. You can put it that way. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) She's working in the home and out of it. That Mm -hmm. can still be a God-honoring practice for a woman. Like I said, this could be a whole other rabbit trail, but I wanted to go ahead and throw that out there, too. Because that's another one of those things that I'm seeing as mom just has to stay home and that's all she does. Mm. So she can't she can't work outside the home until the last child leaves home. It, mm. <laughs> or can she uh, start working out of the home when her kids are teenagers? They can help her with the job. See, anyway, all yeah. that just kind of say how that delves into some legalism there. Definitely. Where are you yeah. getting that from scripture? And I mean, in today's society with the prices being raised and everything, that might not be an option. Yeah, so uh, exactly. I mean, you may have a low enough income in a house where mom does have to do a few things in order to help ends meet. Definitely. Your first responsibility is always going to be to your family. Yes. But hey, as you have opportunity to be able to do things outside the home and make a little bit more for the family, Mm -hmm. I, I don't see where that's outside of the bounds of 
what a mom can do right. to the glory of God. Amen. All right. This next one comes from Melissa. She says, hello, Mr. Hughes. I have a couple of people I know that currently consider themselves Christians, but have been learning more and more about a strange new teaching which seems to mingle Judaism, Christianity, and Seventh-day Adventism. Oh, boy. That sounds like a mix. It doesn't seem to have a set name per se, but it seems like they have different aspects similar to sacred name, Hebrew roots, and a new one that seems to call themselves the body of Messiah. Uh, Yeah, all of this actually is tied up in Hebrew roots. Oh, yeah. The Hebrew roots movement is not a singular movement. Mm -hmm. It's very splintered. Right. And it's very all over the place because one of the tenets of Hebrew roots folks is that they eschew organized religion. Mm -hmm. So uh, therefore, Hebrew roots itself tends to be a hodgepodge. Yeah. Of a lot of different things. And what you'll find one person in the Hebrew Roots movement believing, you'll find somebody else that's Hebrew Roots influenced that believes something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Melissa goes on. Evidently, they tend to shun Christian holidays like Christmas and Easter, but they'll take part in Jewish holidays and ceremonies like the Cedar Table. Yeah. And this is this is like a platform issue for Hebrew Roots folks. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Just like... For Seventh-day Adventists, yeah. it's all about the Sabbath. Yes. For Hebrew Roots folks, it's like, it's all about holidays. Yep. It, it's kind of the same legalistic imposition put there. Mm-hmm. They listen only to music they call Hebrew music and non-secular music. From the little I've learned, many of these followers are not Jewish, but have given themselves Jewish names. They call God Yah or Yahuwah rather than Yahweh. They also call Jesus Yahusha rather than Yeshua. Well, see, you'll get both. So you'll find Hebrew roots folks that'll call him Yahusha, mm-hmm. and you'll also find Hebrew roots folks that say Yeshua. Okay. Or they'll just say Messiah or okay. something or something to that effect. They seem to think reading the Bible in English doesn't really give us an idea of what God intended for us to know. This seems weird. Yeah, absolutely. The Hebrew roots folks believe that the Bible that we have today is corrupt. In fact, some Hebrew roots folks believe that the New Testament was originally written in Hebrew and then was translated to Greek, which has been translated into English. So therefore, we're losing certain things in the translation since it's it's not the Hebrew translation of the New Testament we're, we're reading, but a Greek translation, an English translation from the Greek. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I mean, this this is typical of... Like playing telephone where you miss something. Yeah, right. Yeah, 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 I get it. This is typical of these false religions and cults uh-huh. who claim to have this secret knowledge. We know what the Bible really said. Right. Nobody else does. They will claim that the translations were corrupt. Joseph Smith did it with Mormonism. Yep. The Bible's been corrupt, so now he's got to come up with an accurate translation, which he was doing before he died. Mm-hmm. So there are books that Joseph Smith rewrote, books of the Bible he rewrote, and was planning on doing the whole New Testament and then going back and doing the whole Old Testament, but he died before he completed all of that. So he was saying that the Bible that we have is corrupt, and a lot of things were changed, hence why the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is established as a uh, like a reestablishment of the church the way that it was originally handed to the apostles. Oh, that's their claim. Yeah. Okay. Then you also have the Jehovah's Witnesses, Mm -hmm. Charles Taze Russell, who gave uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. Of course, he said 
It's all been corrupt. We, yeah. We don't have the original Bible. Here's a real translation of the Bible. And then right. they have their own Bible. So the Hebrew roots folks do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They'll claim that the Bible that we have that we use is a corruption and it's not what the scriptures originally said or what we were originally intended to know mm-hmm. from the scriptures. So Melissa goes on, one woman who was looking into Bible curriculums for her kids asked me if I knew anything about the Bible Pathway Adventures and wanted to know if I thought it was a solid curriculum. I'm not familiar with this curriculum. I've learned it uses the Hebrew name Elohim instead of God and Messiah rather than Jesus and pictures Jesus with dark skin to be historically accurate. I can't seem to find much information regarding this curriculum other than the names of the authors are Curtis and Pip Reed, and they are part of what they call the body of Messiah. So it's a real easy um, test for you to use. Okay. If you cannot find a statement of faith on their website, if you can't figure out what they believe, don't use it. Dump it. Yeah. Ignore it. I went to the website, I did the same website that you provided for me to look at their stuff. I can't find anything. Hmm. The authors are on there and like this author helped found this thing and, and you know, whatever. And then you go to their books and I have to pay like 19 bucks to buy one of these books to find out what it is that they believe. Oh, wow. Don't do that. Scam. If, if you can't figure out what they believe through some kind of statement of faith or a, a, an association that they have somehow, mm-hmm. and then you can go to that website and find a statement of faith. Right. If you can't find it, ignore it. Yeah. There's plenty of stuff out there. Exactly. Plenty of other good stuff out there. Now, uh, now there is a faction of Hebrew roots that believes that all the Hebrews were black. Yeah. It's not the same as the black Hebrew Israelites, but okay. it does it does play into that. The, the black Hebrew Israelites basically use the same deduction to arrive at that conclusion. Oh, okay. I see. That the, the Hebrews were originally black. You're, you're going to hear that here in just a moment because we're going to play one of these videos and You'll hear what she says in the video. Okay. So Melissa says, a couple of music groups another woman shared with me are called Left and Right Ministries, Hadara Batya, and Devoted to Yah. These can be found on YouTube. Here's a video of Hadara Batya explaining why she is no longer a Christian. She no longer considers herself a Christian. What in the world? That's really concerning. Yes, folks, if you're watching any testimony from anyone who says, here's why I'm no longer a Christian, they're heretics. Yeah. It's just stupid. <laughs> I mean, really, they're they're coming out and going, here's why I no longer consider myself a Christian. A Christian's a Christ follower. That's right. what that means. Right. And the word was first used at Antioch in mm-hmm. the book of Acts by the pagans who were calling the Christ followers Christians. Mm-hmm. They were saying it as a derogatory term. Yes. Oh, these people that follow this Christ, they're Christians. And that word, incidentally, only comes up three times in the New Testament. The word Christian. We're disciples. We're followers of Jesus. Yes. When you got somebody that comes out and says, here's why I'm no longer a Christian. They're, yeah, they're, they're not following scripture anymore. They're following their own assumptions, their own mind, the things that they found on the Internet that they considered interesting. Mm-hmm. And so now that's what they're going after. They were one of the seeds on the path that weren't in the fr- Fertile soil. Oh, yeah, right. The parable of the sower in Matthew yeah. 13. Yeah, they yep. didn't fall in fertile soil. Right. That's a good point. So Melissa goes on. All of these seem sketchy and concerning, but I can't seem to find anything to back up my suspicion. Could you help me find all this? 
uh, is uh, find out if this is a concerning group slash curriculum to be marked and avoided. My concern is that there's too much focus on law, ceremony, and using correct historical Hebrew words rather than the, the typical use of God and Jesus. Perhaps you can point me to resources that can help me so that I can share it with these ladies. Thank you for your help. Well, yeah, again, they're going to they're going to try to hide what they really believe mm-hmm. because they don't want it to be exposed. Yeah, they don't want websites from folks like us who research this kind of thing. That are calling out Bible Pathway Adventures and and telling folks, hey, don't go anywhere near this stuff because they believe this, this, and this, which is heretical. Right. That's why they don't put that out there. So they're going to be subversive. They're going to be secretive and nuanced with it so that you absorb just enough and then, bam, they're going to hit you with false teaching. But you're already sucked into uh, something because you've heard just enough words that made you think that it was all right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very easily. Now, you're going to pick that up from this gal as well. This is the video from Hadara Batya that Melissa shared. And uh, and here's, again, her going on and on about why she no longer considers herself a Christian. Mm-hmm. So we're going to listen to this, give it a critique, and you'll hear the problems with it as we go. Hi. It's me, Hadara. How are you? I'm here to explain to you the reasons why I no longer consider myself a Christian. And we're done. Yep. <laughs> the end. That was so easy. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, as soon as you start the video and somebody says something like that, it's like, okay, you're weird. Yep. It's None of this is going to be biblically sound. Nope. Because it, otherwise, she'd be still a Christian. You're right. She would still call she, herself a Christian. I'm still a Christ follower. She would. She would be even stronger in her faith. There is much more to understand about faith and spirituality than Christianity, Judaism, or any other organized religion will teach you. Nothing that I say in this video is intended to blame, to defame, or hurt any particular individual or any group, but I will be telling the truth about my experience. And I'm doing this to encourage people who are also on a similar journey. I've been getting a lot more questions about what I actually believe. So this video is to help clarify some of what it is that I believe. And what she believes is Hebrew roots. Yes. And she actually calls it that. If you go to her YouTube channel and you listen to some of her songs, Uh there's some of the videos that are in there actually say things about Hebrew roots. Like it's even on the title card. Oh, okay. So, again, Hebrew roots is not like a monolith. It's so splintered that there's a lot of different beliefs into a lot of different things. But nonetheless, this is Hebrew roots influenced. Yeah. So that's where this comes from. Strange that she's dogging on the organized religion, but theirs is just a disorganized religion. (laughs) It's a really disorganized religion. And and incidentally, like she didn't come about this through any self-discovery. Oh, no. Like, I'm going to read the Bible and I'm going to come to a deeper understanding of who God is and what it means to be a Christian. No. That's not how she came to this. She read some kooky website and and it was convincing to her. Oh, no, I've been reading the wrong thing. I've been going by the wrong name, mm-hmm. you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. It's it's a website. It's it, And she won't ever tell you what it is. Yeah. This is the website that I was reading that gave me all that. She won't ever say that. It's always congratulating herself. I've been doing my own study, mm-hmm. my own, re- and here's what I here's the dis- the the journey that I've been on. And if you're on a similar journey, reading the same stupid websites that I'm reading, <laughs> here's what we've come up with. Now, the SVA Church is where I grew up, and 
if you know anything about the SDA church, then you know that they can, they claim to be a peculiar people set apart. This is because they keep the seventh day Sabbath, which most Christians do not keep. Most Christians worship on Sunday. And uh, I'm happy that I grew up in the faith that I grew up in because I got a very good, strong foundation. Uh, SDAs teach a lot of truth. But over the years, I started to realize that there is more, much more than what the church is willing to discuss. So I had to step outside of this social club that we call the church to really come to an understanding of what more there is to understand, what more the scriptures have to teach us. I think it's unfortunate that I had to step outside the church to do that, but the reality is that was what I had to do. Sometimes you got to just quit drinking the Kool-Aid. You know what I mean? Which is a truly ironic statement. Okay, so what did she mean by SVA? I don't know. I, you know, I listened to that several times and, uh, and you picked up on it as well. Yeah. She's saying SVA. She's not saying SDA. Yeah, definitely not a D because that's what I was thinking too. It's not Seventh-day Adventism. She was saying SVA. Yeah. But Seventh-day Adventists, SDA, mm-hmm. are who worship on Saturday, right. not on Sunday, which she made that critique in there. So I don't know what she means by SVA unless she's just using the wrong letter. <laughs> yeah, but if I was part of that church and someone said you just got to quit drinking the Kool-Aid, I'd be offended. <laughs> well, she left one cult for another cult. I mean, that's Pretty really. Much. <laughs> yeah, it's but true. but this is another red flag. Like before, she said, uh, "Here's why I no longer call myself a Christian." Yeah, when they you weren't Christians. Well, no. What well, I was going to say, mean, yeah, eh. when somebody then is also coming out going, "I had to leave the church to truly find what." See, that's that's another one. That's, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm like pulling out my hair here. The church is the bride of Christ. Yes. You're not going to find Christ leaving his bride. Right. You're going to find a false Christ. But, but I mean, her being brought up in that church, I could see her experiencing issues and them not answering questions and stuff like that because, I mean, they're unique or whatever she said. A peculiar people. Peculiar. That's the word. And um, so, I mean... I understand her frustration and trying to seek something else out, but it that's just <laughs> not the way to go, not not the place to find it. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and this is where she gets into all the more kookier stuff. Because, I mean, the, the Bible even tells you to get together with your church family. Yeah, and to imitate the faith of those who taught you the faith. Yes. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 and 17. Remember their way of life and imitate their faith. Yes. So you are supposed to respect and submit to the elders in the church who have been entrusted with the care of your soul. That's also 1 Peter 5, 5, mm-hmm. that you're supposed to submit to your elders and respect them. Those who shepherd your soul and will be subject to the chief shepherd. Yes. So, I, like I said, I mean, I can I can understand her seeking something else, but where she found answers is not a good place on the internet (laughs) which is a terrible place to go to church it is is i mean where where do the hebrew roots since they're disorganized where do they go (laughs) do they even have church oh yeah they do they have some they have some organized groups and oh organized and church uh, yeah it is there there's some organized groups there are irony yeah well you know they they want to follow the whole 
uh, Sabbath and holiday system, Jewish holiday system from Scripture, right? Which is organized, right? Very, and God is very, very organized. Yes, that's in First Corinthians fourteen. He's yes. a God of order, not a God of disorder. Right? Not a God of confusion, but of peace. Yes. So yeah, the, the, again, another red flag when somebody says I had to step out of the church or organize religion in order to figure all this out. Yeah. Now, if you're a Seventh Day Adventist. You do need to get out of that church, yes, <laughs> but you go to a sound church. You don't leave the church. Right. You go to the true church. Right. And get those answers. Yeah. Now, the true church, by the way, is defined by the scriptures. And in case you missed the video that I played a minute ago, <laughs> rewind a little bit in the podcast. And there's your advice on Let's how to find it again. a sound, solid church. There you go. Okay, so in this video, I'm just going to share a few points about what I believe. This video is by no means exhaustive, and I don't claim to have everything figured out either. But what I'm going to speak about today is definitely um, things that I feel solid about in my spiritual walk at this point. And I think that sharing this will help someone who is watching out there, and I hope that person is you. So here we go. Okay, first I want to talk about the division between Old and New Testament. I don't believe that this division is right. I don't believe that it should exist. I believe there is unity in the scriptures from Genesis all the way through to, to Revelation. Wow, guess what? What? So do we. Yes, we do. We believe the same thing. Yes. <laughs> there is a, a clear break in time. Uh-huh. between what happens in the Old Testament and what happens in the New Testament. Right. You even have 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Right. Before Christ comes, who is the fulfillment of the Law and the Prophets. Yes. He says that himself in Matthew 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. Do not think that I have come to abolish the Law and the Prophets, which is the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Yes. But there's still clearly a delineation between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Yes. We refer to these as testaments. They can also be called covenants. She's going to say the same thing here in just a moment. Some people might even call them dispensations. Oh, okay. God is working in this way in this period of time, and he's working in this way in this period of time. Mm -hmm. You even have in Hebrews 1.1, long ago at various times and in various ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. Mm -hmm. Two different dispensations. Yes. So that's why we delineate between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's not breaking it up as if this is one book and these are different books. Right. It's still one story. And it's in one Bible. And it's, it's all it, right. It's all it's all God's book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the God on the left side of the book is the same God as the God on the right side of the book. We do not need to unhitch. <laughs> oh my goodness. Unhitch from the Old Testament. Yeah. That's an Andy Stanley comment. So yeah, totally you know, I, I can I can agree with her criticism there in that sense. Oh, of course. Because yeah, there are plenty of false teachers in the church, quote unquote. You know, uh -huh. they'll claim to be of the church, but they're not. They're wolves. Right. They're wolves that have risen up among us who will say that you need to unhitch yourself from the Old Testament. So, yeah, there's definitely a critique to be made there about those who are, uh, you know, even trying to break away yeah. from the old because we live in the new. There are false teachers out there doing that. Uh. But a true church of God sees this as one story. Right. There is unity from Genesis to Revelation. Absolutely. Yes. 
the people who translated the Bible decided to translate the Hebrew word Brit into Testament when really the word is covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties. Um, it's, it's an agreement that is based on promises. There is always blood involved in a covenant. The blood is what seals the covenant. Unfortunately, we don't get that picture when we hear the word testament. And the words old and new, old and new. Old really would be better understood as original, and new would be better understood as renewed. That's another red flag. When you've got a teacher that's saying this isn't the new covenant, it's the renewed covenant. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag. Why is that? Because that's what Hebrew Roots guys say. Oh, okay. That that Jesus didn't abolish the law and the prophets. He renewed them. Uh (laughs) Got it. So so that we still have to practice all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. See, like the Pharisees had forgotten it and they weren't really practicing it. And so Jesus comes and renews the covenant so that we practice these things. Okay. But understand what is said. He's fulfilling it. He's right. Okay. He's renewing it that we would keep doing it. So Colossians chapter two, beginning in verse 16, therefore, no one is to judge you in food and drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath day, things which are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. And Hebrews also talks about Christ being the fulfillment of those types and shadows, Mm -hmm. the sacrificial system, the holidays, everything else was types and shadows that Christ fulfilled. Right. It was all pointing to Christ. Mm-hmm. It was all just, you know, these are things that are never actually going to accomplish what Christ is truly going to accomplish. Right. In in Hebrews, even the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to forgive sin. Mm-hmm. It had to be the blood of Christ. It had to be the life that he gave, not the lives of bulls and goats. Mm-hmm. But the Hebrew roots folks, they want to renew all of that and say, you know, we're still supposed to say that. It really, it is a total ignorance of the book of Hebrews. You could easily answer all the Hebrew roots guys if you just knew the book of Hebrews well. Is it irony that the Hebrew roots call themselves the Hebrew roots when the Hebrew book of the Bible can prove them wrong? Yeah, right. <laughs> they just they just read Hebrews. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's uh, that's by God's providence. You know, it's kind of like the whole thing with uh, the Mormons. They have a book that on the front of the book says another testament of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. So the, the Book of Mormon... Another testament of Jesus Christ. Okay. Galatians chapter one. If someone comes preaching another Another. gospel, they are an anthema. So yeah, it's it's right there on the front of the book. This is another gospel. Yeah. (laughs) And the warning from Paul in Galatians one. If even an angel from heaven, because you know, Joseph Smith claimed to have received it from the angel Moroni. Right. If even an angel from heaven comes to you preaching a gospel contrary to the one that, that we preach to you, let him be accursed. Yeah. So with a lot of these uh, religions, these false religions, you'll find those kinds of ironies. There's another one with Jehovah's Witnesses, too. The very fact that they call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses is an irony. Anyway, uh, yeah, rabbit trails. Yeah, we could keep going. <laughs> <laughs> rabbit trails galore. Back to the point. Jeremiah thirty-one, thirty-one. 
Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will cut a new covenant. Mm. And that very same prophecy is repeated in Hebrews 9. Yep. So once again, the book of Hebrews will respond to all these Hebrew roots arguments. My faith is built on an everlasting covenant, though it is something that has been passed down from generation to generation and something that is being renewed. And it's not something that is replaced. You can't replace the new with the old. The original still stands and it's continuously being renewed. Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9 says, What has been is what shall be. What has been done is what shall be done. There is no new matter under the sun. Again, nothing new. That verse has nothing to do with covenants. Oh, really? That is a wisdom passage, and it means that all things under the sun are futile. There is nothing worthwhile in any of it apart from the Lord. Oh, yeah. It has nothing to do with saying all covenants will be renewed. Right. So that's she's taking a wisdom passage and twisting it and applying it to her twisted theology. Mm -hmm. Now, she does this several times where she takes a verse out of context and then morphs it to kind of fit the thing that she's trying to say. Of course, Mm -hmm. this is eisegesis imposing your interpretation onto the text Mm -hmm. instead of drawing out what the spirit is truly communicating through that text. So let me to save time. Let me fast forward a little bit and get to another place where she does this. Okay. Exodus 20, verse 6 says, But showing loving commitment to thousands, to those who love me and guard my commands. And the KJV, if you like that better, says, But showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. You see, love and mercy is for those who keep or guard the commandments. Also, I want to point out in Exodus 20, verse 6, the number, it says thousands are guarding the commandments. Not millions, not billions, but thousands, because the way is narrow and few there be that find it. Okay, let me start reading here in Exodus 20, verse 4. Okay. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. For I, Yahweh your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now you've heard that in context. So what is the thousands in reference to? Thousands of generations. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not saying thousands of people, not millions, not billions, but just thousands. It's the other direction. Right. It's It's talking about an immense amount of people. Exactly. Exactly right. And in Revelation chapter 7, the apostle John sees a multitude gathered at the throne that cannot be counted. Right. Yes, it's true, according to Matthew 7, that the way is narrow. The gate is narrow. The way is long. That leads to life. And few will find it because that's the difficult way. Mm -hmm. Wide is the way. And broad is the gate that leads to destruction, and many find that because that's the easy way. Right. Yes, that's true. So in any generation in which we live, the few 
are going to be the ones who find Christ. Mm -hmm. It won't be the multitude. It'll be the few. Right. But when you're talking about through every generation. Generations. Generations. Exactly. Then the multitude that will be with Christ forever in glory is going to be massive. Right. God's showing his loving kindness to thousands of generations. She's twisting Exodus 26 Mm-hmm. To make it into something that is not what's being meant. She's not even reading it in context. Yeah. That's the same with the uh, Ecclesiastes chapter one reference that she made earlier. Mm-hmm. She's not reading Bible verses. It, it doesn't even seem to me, by the way, it doesn't seem to me that she's taken these references and she's gone to the text to actually read it for herself. Yeah. My friends, I cannot impress upon you enough. She's read this off a website. Mm-hmm. And she's not even done the homework to go to her own Bible and see that the references that were on that website were actually what the website was saying that they were. She she is not on her own journey and doing her own self-discovery of this stuff. She read a website and she's been convinced by it. And, and this is what this Hebrew roots garbage mostly is. Yeah. It's mostly been propagated through these these kooky Internet sites. Yeah. And and to me, it doesn't sound like she's talking about her journey at all. She's talking about here's your infomercial about. You know, <laughs> That's a good point. What I what I have found. She didn't even find it. She doesn't even say how she came about it. No, she right she, exactly. This is just what I believe for now. That's how she she said it in the beginning, more or less. Yeah, I, I'm not an expert in this. I'm still trying to figure this. Okay, where where are you getting this from? Right, because you didn't get it from your Bible. Clearly, you didn't get it from your Bible. Right, you're no not joke. even going and checking the references and looking at the context. Uh huh. So skipping ahead again, where she once again takes a reference out of context. Yeah. And gives an application. Isogetically makes an application that the scripture doesn't make. Okay. So here we go. The scriptures is a book about Hebrew people. Even in the New Testament, which is written in Greek. That book is still about Hebrew people. So we need to wake up and understand who those people are. And the more you study the beginning of the book, the more it becomes very clear who those people actually are. Deuteronomy 28, 64 through 68, with a special emphasis on that verse 68. That verse will tell you that the Hebrew people were sold into slavery in Egypt again, or that they would be sold into slavery in Egypt again, and that they would be sent over there on slave ships. What group of people have been sent into slavery on slave ships in this world? There's only one group of people, so it's not a trick question. Think about it. The Irish. (laughs) The Irish. Yes, that's right. Yes, even Irish were sold as slaves and put on slave ships and brought to North America. Yes. Now, now, what's she getting at, though? Uh, yeah. She's trying to say it was only black people. Right. And she won't say that. Right. She, she doesn't she say doesn't, it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why. So this particular curriculum that Melissa was asking about, it appears to show all of these Bible characters is looking black. Okay. Well, yeah, they because they believe that the true Hebrews were black. Now, this may not be black Hebrew Israelites, Mm -hmm. which is that that really weird and often even violent and erratic cult. And uh, and I think they even believe you have to be black to be saved. I don't think anybody who's white will be saved. Oh, wow. So it may not be exactly that faction. But again, she's made that same deduction the same way that they do, Mm -hmm. where they say, hey, the Hebrews were going to be sent back on slave ships. Well, who was sent on slave ships? Black people. 
So she's coming about that same thing in that same way, claiming that the true Hebrews are really black. Okay. So anybody who claims to be Jewish today but isn't black is lying. Oh, okay. That's what she would be saying. Got it. Yeah. Check. Now, and again, she doesn't come right out and say that. Well, there's no, so much she's trying not to offend anybody. Exactly. From yeah. The beginning. And, there's know. so much nuance going on here because she's trying to entice you and pull you in and get you just, just caught into this. Give me a clear statement. <laughs> well, the name of God is is a really big thing that she gets into in this video. So let me get to that part. Okay. Another reason why I can no longer call myself a Christian is because Christians refuse to call on the covenant name of our creator. His name is Yahuwah, and his son's name is Yahusha. Now, you will hear many different interpretations of this name, but the name Yahuwah really is Y-H-U-H or Y-H-W-H. And I don't know if you realize the similarity between U and W, but W is actually new. And that sound used to be two U's, a W-U, Yahuwah. Which is just silly. She's taking English pronunciations and imposing it on Hebrew. So, yeah. <laughs> now, yeah, like Yahweh, uh, Jehovah is another pronunciation of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Right. Jehovah is another way that that's pronounced. Right. And that's the word that's used in the King James Bible mm-hmm. is Jehovah. In the Legacy Standard, one of the reasons why I love that translation so much and why we've talked about mm-hmm. our enjoyment of that translation is because yes. it puts the covenant name of God back into the text. Right. In which there's nothing wrong with a translation that has capital L-O-R-D. Right. You're not calling God by the wrong name there. Right. It's just nicer when you know that word is Yahweh in the original text, so why don't we use it in English? Right. And whenever you're using it, like me teaching the children and you teaching the children, it's easier to say Yahweh instead of Lord and and then again in the same sentence or next sentence, Lord. Yes. You know, like how do you differentiate that with non-readers? And, so, yeah, and sometimes the word Lord appears with the name Yahweh. Uh-huh. So when you've, trans- when you've translated Yahweh as capital L-O-R-D, then literally you're saying Lord, Lord. Yes, the, his title and then his name. Right. So, yeah, putting Yahweh there, then it becomes Lord Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Anyway, so, yeah, she goes on uh, straining at gnats here. Okay. Yahuwah means the one who exists. And his son's name, Yahusha, means the one who exists is salvation. So the name Yahweh means to be or I am who I am. Okay. Because remember, that's what God said to Moses. Right. <laughs> that's how he revealed himself to Moses. And then the name Joshua, which is technically Jesus' true name. Right. So Yeshua means Yahweh saves. So the one who is saves. Saves. Right. So, yeah, she's kind of there with that. But it's it's always her own definitions and her own pronunciations. Are you sure they're her own? (laughs) From the website that she was reading that she got (laughs) this from. I'm just asking. Yeah. Now, don't let church people tell you that his name doesn't matter. If the name didn't matter, why did they replace it? Why did they take it out if it wasn't such a big deal? We're not instructed to call or sing on the title. We're instructed to praise the name. And yes, it does matter. We need to understand covenants and signs of the covenant. A sign or a mark is the same thing. And if we don't understand the covenants, we're not going to 
we're not going to understand the importance of the name. So I don't really argue about this with much people. I'm just telling you right now why I choose to use the name and why I just simply stepped outside of the church when I realized that they're not using it. So she doesn't want to argue with people. She just wants to leave the whole church. (laughs) And say, this is why and you people are wrong, but I don't want to argue with you. (laughs) Like, oh, 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 okay. Right. And, and, you know, she does say at the very beginning, I'm not trying to dog on anybody. I know. And it just keeps going and going and like deeper and deeper of dogging on people. Yeah. It's like, ah, okay. But, but she does say, I left the church mm. because you weren't calling him by the right name. Yeah. And she, she seems pretty adamant about it, too. Yeah. Like. Now, I agree. I agree with her. The name matters. It does. Which is why. Her whole like twisting of the name and and the correct pronunciation, yeah, is extremely concerning. Yes. The name signifies character. It signifies authority. A name is an identifier for who you are talking to. There are many lords and many gods. Who are you talking to? Who are you praising? Do you know? Do you actually know? I want to read you a couple of scriptures here. Isaiah 42 verse 8 says, I am Yahuwah, that is my name, and my esteem I do not give to another, nor my praise to idols. Of all people on earth, we claim to have a personal relationship with our creator, and yet we we don't even use his name. What kind of relationship is that? Do you have any friends and you don't know their names? You have friends and you don't know their names. Like, that doesn't make any sense. But who is she talking about? What do you mean? I, like, like she's saying the church doesn't use God's name. Okay. Who's, who's she talking about? We don't use his name. We say God. We say Jesus. We say Lord. We're just not using the names that she says that we need to use. And even, you know, like what I said before about the Old Testament using capital L-O-R-D and most English translations of the New Testament mm-hmm. using L-O-R-D in place of the Tetragrammaton. Right. Well, the reason why that's done is because in the New Testament, when the New Testament writers, and I'm talking about the original writers, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, okay. okay, when they were writing the New Testament, they would quote from the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Well, the Greek translation of the Old Testament doesn't use the name Yahweh. It uses Lord. Mm. So hence why when the Old Testament was translated into English and the name Yahweh was used there, capital L-O-R-D was put in place of Yahweh as representing the Tetragrammaton. Gotcha. It was because in in consistency of translating the Old Testament and New together, Mm -hmm. whenever the New Testament writers were referencing the, the Old Testament, they're using the name Lord instead of the name Yahweh, mm-hmm. since Yahweh doesn't appear in the New Testament. It, that name itself right. doesn't appear in the New Testament. So is this woman going to be saying here that all the New Testament writers, therefore, were not using God's true name because Yahweh doesn't appear in the New Testament? You really want to say that to any of the gospel writers? You want to say that to Paul? They were using the wrong name because the name Yahweh never appears in the New Testament. I don't think she would say that because she says that the the Bible is the whole Bible from beginning to end. Right. Yes. So. But her own thinking is inconsistent here. Very much. She would have to be saying that the New Testament writers, therefore, did not know God Mm -hmm. because they weren't using the name that she says that they need to be using to truly know the creator. 
Yeah. And she kind of turned... Okay, she didn't kind of... She's turning it into a guilt trip. Don't you think, like, the, the guilt make you feel well, guilty about not using his name? It's extremely arrogant. Like, she's just really up here and like, I know his name. Yeah. I, why don't you guys know his name? Why don't you use it? Yeah. How can you say that you're truly worshiping a God whose name you don't know? Mm-hmm. If you're calling him God, you are still calling him by his name. Right. <laughs> How many of your friends do you call God? Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Hopefully there is none. The God. Yeah. Right. And we make reference to the gods because even the Old Testament makes a reference to the gods. Right. Lowercase g. Yes. yes. As idols, as false gods, not the one true God. Right. When you say the name God, you are supposed to hold that name in every bit as much reverence mm-hmm. as when you say the names of Yahweh or Jesus Christ. Right. So just keep in mind, Lord and God are not names. They are titles. And Lord also used to be associated with the name of a pagan deity, Baal. So if you want to go around and call your creator Lord, you you go right ahead. No thank you for me. Philippians chapter 2. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Lord. Deuteronomy 10.17, for Yahweh your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. Psalm 38.15, I wait on you, O Yahweh, you will answer, O Lord my God. That's in the Bible. She has no clue what she's talking about. And you can be hearing my tone and the way that I'm talking about this and be thinking, Gabe, you're being way too harsh on this gal. This video has 200,000 views. Whoa. And it is highly praised in the comment section by people who watched it. They love this stuff. It's garbage. It is false teaching heresy leading you away from sound doctrine. And and I'm not going to go on playing it because I've kind of given her enough of a platform as it is. But there's a section, if you keep on going, where she starts talking about the Trinity. She never goes into it. Mm -hmm. She never says what the Trinity is, but she just says something to the effect. She teases it out. Like there's more to the Trinity than we actually understand, but I don't have time to get into it today. I wish she would have, because I'm pretty sure what she believes is that the doctrine of the Trinity is a pagan doctrine. Mm. But she won't say that because she reveals too much in a short 15-minute video. If she were to come out and say the doctrine of the Trinity is pagan, there's enough people who are orthodox that would hear that and go, ah, This is heresy. This is false doctrine. So she's being very covert, very subversive with the way that she's explaining things. So she draws you in with just enough stuff that sounds plausible. Right. I mean, yeah, there were things that I was agreeing with her on. But then it was like, whoa, no, 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 no. Where are you turning that? You know, so. Yeah, it's a lot of twisting. Yes. So you have the warning that's given in Colossians 2, 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Mm -hmm. She's not grounding this in Scripture, even though it sounds like that, which that's what she's doing. Right. But I've already shown you how she's taken verses out of context and twisted them. The plain yeah. meaning of the verses right. is right there if you just go look at it. And I don't think you're necessarily upset with her, per se, because she's still, I mean, she she's just 
totally misguided. But yes. but it's the Hebrew roots as as a as a whole that you're frustrated with because it's over and over. For years now we've been dealing with the the combativeness of the influx and the the Oh yeah, it's it's spreading. And, yes. Yeah, more people are getting drawn into it. Yes. And really and it's very, very concerning. And I don't think that the Hebrew Roots movement would have gained the traction that it's gained if it were not for the internet. Oh yeah, totally. This is an internet totally. religion. Yeah. Yes. This <laughs> This is a twisting of scripture that has been able to spread the way that it has because of of the internet. And and they keep you intrigued by it. Because of their soap opera feel of it, like, wait, there's more. Oh, there, there's more. Yes. And, and just like, <laughs> we, did this really happen? And did we this have the really true pronunciation yes. of the name. So it's just sort of like a soap opera type of effect of, you know, just keep learning more. Come back for more. Yeah, we're going to tease you with all this. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's all it, it always takes some basic concepts that you've learned as a Christian. Yeah. And then just throws something else out there. Like Michael Rood is a very popular teacher among Hebrew roots. You spell his last name R-O-O-D. Okay. But he's got a video that I just saw recently where he's talking about how there's five gospels. There's not four. There's really five gospels. It's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he says that. He teases the thing out in the very beginning to keep you hooked. Okay. Like, okay, five gospels? I've only known four. So where's his fifth gospel come from? And he goes on for several minutes like where he's drawing out all this Hebrew stuff. Sure. And then it's the book of Revelation. Revelation is actually the fifth gospel. Ah. So, you know, they they hate Orthodox Christianity. They really do hate it. Uh-huh. They hate everything that is that is historically connected to the church for the last 2,000 years. Okay. Because they just claim all of this stuff's been corrupted. Mm-hmm. So then they come up with their new stuff. Like, I'll still tease you with enough Hebrew concepts to draw you in, and then I'm going to introduce something new. Bam! Revelation's the fifth gospel. Have you ever heard anybody say that before? No. <laughs> it's just, it, but but it's this whole thing of like, I'm superior because I have this superior knowledge that you guys have not had. Uh-huh. So you have to follow me to get all this new stuff. He's puffed up without reason by his own sensuous mind. Thank you. That's uh, what I was thinking. Another warning from Colossians. Yes. Uh, just, uh, it's it's very, very concerning. And warning flags all over the place. When when you feel like there's a warning flag, there is a warning flag. Just avoid. Mark and avoid. Mark, mark and avoid. That's Romans 16. <laughs> Beware of those who cause division. So uh, to kind of summarize all of this, there is a what video that I did on Hebrew roots. Yes. So let me play that here. You'll, okay. get, you'll get the 90 second gist of why the Hebrew roots movement is so problematic. Okay. (laughs) And then uh, we'll wrap this up with prayer. Yes, let's. The Hebrew Roots Movement teaches that the church has been corrupted by Greek and Roman influences, and we need to get back to our Hebrew beginnings. After all, Jesus and his disciples were Jews, so to be a good Christian, you must be a good Jew. Hebrew Roots adherents, also known as Messianic Christians, believe Christ's death on the cross did not fulfill the Mosaic Covenant, but renewed and expanded it. Therefore, you must keep the Sabbath on Saturday, celebrate Jewish feasts and festivals, and observe the dietary laws. Boy, if there aren't scores of passages that directly respond to this, Jesus declared 
declared all foods clean in Mark 7:19 and said it again to Peter in Acts 10:15. In Romans 14, Paul said not to be divided over opinions about days and food. And in Colossians 2:16, he warned about Judaizers who passed judgment over dietary laws and Jewish holy days. These were shadows of things to come which were fulfilled in Christ. If you were to point to such verses, or the whole books of Galatians and Hebrews, you'll likely be told the New Testament you read has been corrupted. Hebrew Roots teachers reject historical definitions of biblical doctrines. Their answers are often long-winded, full of myth and speculation, and quarreling over words. They make non-essential issues essential and teach righteousness by keeping the law. Not all are that extreme, but there are still serious problems with telling people to keep the Old Covenant as if it were a higher path. The Bible says the glory of the Mosaic Covenant has come to an end, but the glory of Christ is forever. We're to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life when we understand the text. Okay, there you go. Once again, if you would like to submit a question to the program, our email address is whenweunderstandthetext at gmail.com. Anything else to add, babe? I think that's everything. All right. Thank you for praying for us. Yes. It was a great trip. We were very rested. The kids enjoyed the Rockies. Yes. We're already saying, like, right away, let's move here. Yes. What about your friends in Texas? Yeah. We'll bring them with us. Yes. <laughs> we'll go to Colorado. <laughs> it was fun. It was a good trip. But no Sasquatch. Ah, sorry, Fred. We didn't yeah. get a Sasquatch. I did buy a sweatshirt that we had two. Yeah, Bigfoot on it. And yeah, my son did yeah. as well. Yeah. 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 Zeej did. He also got a... It's a Bigfoot and camouflage, and it says, leave no trace. That's right. Is what it says on the <laughs> But sorry, Fred, I didn't take a picture of myself in the Bigfoot shirt to uh, to send your way. Yeah, and we didn't get we didn't get to spy one. Oh, I didn't share this with you. I I'm actually you spot one. No, <laughs> <laughs> I guess that was funny. I didn't. Just... Oh no, I did. I did see a Bigfoot. Oh, yes. I, I saw a Sasquatch while I was there. No, no. I was uh, anyway. I didn't tell you this. It was when we went into one of the gift stores. You were in another one. Okay. And I went into the one. It was looking for kid size shirts because uh-huh. we couldn't find shirts that fit our girls. Right. Well, I came in with my hoodie that had Bigfoot on it. Uh huh. And the gal who owned the gift shop said, "I, I didn't realize at first she was talking to me because okay. I'm looking down. I'm looking at shirts, and then I just hear her go." Young man, I have just the thing for you. And I finally realized she was talking to me. And and she said, hold on right there. I'm going to go get it. And I said, okay. You know, I'm just I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going on. She comes back with this this uh, uh, body length nightshirt. Okay. That has uh, almost a man-sized Bigfoot on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a four-foot Bigfoot. Okay. Impression on the shirt. And I can't remember what the caption was, but just because I was wearing that Bigfoot sweatshirt, she Aww. thought I needed to buy this. So well, right. Did you? <laughs> no. Oh, I don't wear man. giant night shirts. So <laughs> <laughs> I think I would get tangled in that thing. <laughs> it, it looked like. That's usually what happens. <laughs> well, what were those things called on that infomercial where it was like the full body blanket? But it had the sleeves. Snuggie. The Snuggie. Is that yeah, what it was? Yeah, yeah. That's what it looked like. That's hilarious. I love it. It had a big, a big, big foot impression <laughs> on the. <laughs> I, I just simply told her, no, thank you. But thanks for thinking of me. I appreciate that. <laughs> and she, she was sweet. She, she was, was very, really sweet. sweet. She came to me later and said, I hope I didn't offend you. I said, no, no, no. I just said, uh, you know, I don't wear giant night shirts to bed. 
<laughs> Snuggies. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's late as yeah. we're recording this, so let me uh, let you get to bed. Yes, please. And I'll get this posted. <laughs> Sounds good. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for being able to take a vacation and see the wondrous work of your hands in all of creation as we traveled. Thank you for taking good care of us as we went. In all things, help us to give glory to Christ. For that is the chief end of man, that we know God and obey your commandments. We fear the Lord and we follow what you have said according to your word. And may we understand the scriptures rightly, not twisting the scriptures to make them say what we want them to say. But if we ever start going on without reason by our own sensuous minds, humble us that we would come back to the Bible and know exactly what it says, what you mean for us to understand through your spirit who inspired the writers who gave us this. We know the will of the Lord. We have, we have heard God's will spoken to us whenever we read the scriptures. So guide us in these things. Grow us in godliness according to what we read, that we may be more Christ-like, growing in sanctification each and every day that we follow you. Thanks for your patience and your love for us, giving your son who died for us and rose again from the dead so that all who believe in him will not perish, but we will have everlasting life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.